So, have you seen this week's Entertainment Weekly? Uh, no, I have not. Um, which, you know, I, I like Entertainment Weekly, but I'm waiting for it to go digital on the iPad, which it was supposed to do at some point. Okay. After this conversation, we're going to talk about magazines, digital and otherwise. But let's. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to um, uh, talk about this article on the front page, December 2nd issue. Um, Star's Worst Movies. We've unearthed their most obscure, embarrassing, and unintentionally hilarious films. You're welcome. Um, so it sounds an awful lot like uh, what we used to do. Yes, with um, a real shame book. <laughs> Um, and I'll give you credit. There's not a whole lot of overlap here between, um, you know, their article and and our book. I think, you know, it's been what almost a decade since we published the book. So, um, you know, there are a lot more. There are a lot of people who are stars now who weren't really quite stars at that point. Um, sure. I don't think we ever really considered including Alec Baldwin. You know, or did is there a Baldwin? There's got to be some Baldwin action in Real Shame somewhere. I, I don't think so. I, I don't know that we covered, like, yeah, I don't know that we covered any Baldwin. Well, no Baldwin action? Hold on. I know I have a copy of the book. That means you should have one, like, to hand. There's something wrong with me if I don't. Oh, yeah, there's one. Hold on. Getting my book. Okay. Real Shame. Real Shame has an awesome index because we had an awesome indexer work on it. Um, Bad Boys, Bayo Scott, Baker Rick, Band Charles, so no Baldwin. <laughs> oh, well. Um, okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's go through their list here. Um, Johnny Depp in Private Resort. Fair enough. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. 1985. Um, just looking to see how many how many actors we overlap with them. Yeah, was that uh, before or after? Oh, oh. Johnny Depp, Private Resort. 91 to 93. Must have been a sidebar. No, we actually reviewed Private Resort. Yes, I remember that movie. <laughs> That's yes, the only yes, reason I, I would have watched that stupid movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Um. Yeah, on the run from a bad guy, Depp hides out in an aerobics class. Ogling a shapely butt in front of him, he declares, "I'm in love." Yeah, we wrote looks like almost three pages <laughs> on Private Resort. Uh, <laughs> Eva Longoria. I absolutely know for a fact there's no Eva Longoria in in our book. No, I don't think um, so. Carlita's Secret, which was straight to DVD in 2004. Eh. Uh, yeah, don't even know what it is. Yep. Uh, ben Affleck. God, so many to choose from. Um, but they choose The Third Wheel from 2004 with Luke Wilson. What the heck is that? Okay. Um, it's a romantic comedy. Um, first films produced, it was one of the first films produced by Affleck and Matt Damon's post Goodwill Hunting Media Company. It sat on Miramax's shelf for three years. Yeah. Then it was finally released in theaters in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of movies that are like that, that, that get mm -hmm. shot and then kind of never get released. Like, I remember yeah. that there was a movie that was shot at the Don Cesar Resort here in St. Pete mm -hmm. uh, with Ray Liotta. And, you know, it was a big deal in the local news. And it did eventually right. come out, 
but you know nobody nobody heard of it. You know, it didn't never went to theaters or anything like that. Gotcha. So next up is Alec Baldwin's Suburban Girl, um, two thousand eight, with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that she made a movie in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I knew about it, but I didn't see it. Uh, suburban girl becomes just plain creepy when the leads eventually lock lips, and Baldwin looks as if he's trying to swallow Geller's entire head like a boa constrictor. Okay. Most embarrassing moment: Baldwin and Geller's first encounter, where they flirt by so- swapping saucy quips about Ethan Frome. <laughs> okay. So the next one is Jessica Biel. Is Jessica Biel really like a star? Um, she was. I mean, she hasn't been in any big movies recently. Well. The movie they have here is Powder Blue. Oh, is that the stripper one? It's got Ray Liotta. <laughs> so probably the stripper one. And Patrick Swayze, 2009. Uh, what, um, do, what do they say about it? Let's see. Um, Bill goes topless and drips candle wax on herself on stage. That would be the one. Uh-huh. Stripper with a coke habit. So they have an entry for Jessica Biel here, but nobody cares about Jessica Biel, so neither do I. Um, Angelina Jolie in Cyborg 2. I think that one's definitely in our book, right? Um, I think so. Uh, Elias Codius and Jack Palance. We definitely reviewed it. I I remember that. Yeah, I don't know if... uh, Elias Codius wasn't anybody at that point, was he? No, I don't think we knew who he was. Cyborg 2, yes. 20 through 22. Um, so let's see how we wonder how we will explain to future generations the nearly decade long obsession America had with post-apocalyptic cyborg films. <laughs> well, mostly that's just comes from Albert Pune. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Cyborg two is a dark, unpleasant movie with little to distinguish it from any other films of the genre. If you must see it, look forward to the quiet scene between Colton Bench that could very well be the two actors gossiping between takes. And of course, the first of many nude scenes Angelina Jolie has done during her career. Now there's an obsession we won't have to explain. <laughs> I think wasn't even <laughs> Nothing Cy- like laughing at your own jokes. It wasn't Cyborg Two even uh what, Cyborg Two was was that one of the ones that we did for the British people? It might have been. It might have been. Uh, by, by British people, I assume you mean the, um, the royal family. Yes, the royal family. No, the BBC books. Uh, BBC the Radio Worldwide. Times. Yeah, Radio Times. Uh, Guide to Film. Um, they, they republished that stuff in, in several books, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Credited us every time, but only paid us, like, what, 35 <laughs> cents a movie? No, it was more than that. It was actually not, not too bad money. I remember. Yeah. Um, it was but, all right. Yeah, the, uh, but yeah, I remember that when we did that, I, I ended up familiarizing myself with the entirety of Angelina Jolie's early filmography, just because the, that was that was in those that was in what they wanted us to do, and that was like before Angelina Jolie was was huge, so it was kind of like, oh, so that's who this person is, who I you know mostly only knew as being a model. Um, yeah, interesting. So, next on the list, also a uh, real shame film, uh, Brad Pitt, Cutting Class, 1989. I I barely remember that one. That's the one where 
Martin Mull gets shot with an arrow. Oh, yes. Is he, like, the janitor? No, he's somebody's dad, I think. Oh, okay. uh, the janitor turns out to be the, the killer. Yeah, okay, that, yeah, okay. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and the, uh, oh, wait, maybe the, he wasn't revealed as the killer. We would have liked to see, oh, no, 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 somebody else was the killer, and, and if you think about it, you'll know who it was. Um, we would have liked to see the custodian revealed as the killer, especially after his inspired delivery of the now hackneyed respect your high school janitor speech. Uh, quote, <laughs> I'm the custodian of your fucking destiny. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. Clearly, the, the, <laughs> the, yes, the janitor was the only one who made an impression on me. <laughs> Yes, and that was also the film in which Roddy McDowell played a perverted, heterosexual school principal. Great. Yeah. Megan Fox, Holiday in the Sun. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Holiday in the Sun, 2001, with uh, the Olsen twins. Oh, dear. Yeah. So 2001, Man. that was before anybody knew who Megan Fox was. Yes. Okay. Yes. George Clooney. Red Surf, 1990. Oh, really? They went with Red Surf and not Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Okay. Or... Well, they, they mentioned Batman Robin, um, Baby Talks, and Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Okay. Um, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal in the Highway. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Matthew McConaughey in Surfer Dude. Really, Matthew McConaughey and Surfer Dude and not Texas Chainsaw Massacre Returns or whatever the hell the name of the movie was. I don't know. I don't know. Catherine Heigl and Caffeine. Tagline, there's always something strange brewing. God. Mm -hmm. Um, Christian Bale in Equilibrium. Really? Okay. Apparently. I didn't really think that was that bad, but okay. Yeah, Um, Daniel Craig, uh, Mr. Bond, in A Kid in King Arthur's Court. I assume he was young in that. Yeah. Um, Craig plays the film's Mr. Miyagi mentor character, teaching the nerdy lad from the future about archery and jousting. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Don's Plum. Leonardo DiCaprio has been in so many bad movies. Um... Well, he was in one of the Critters movies, so... Yes, which is why he's in The Real Shame. Let me look that up real quick. Uh, Death Johnny, Dern Laura, DiCaprio Leo, 26 to 28. Um, so we did we write, write this pre-Titanic? No. No, we wrote it, like, just as Titanic. Yeah, it was right it was. around Titanic came out. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Critters 3, um, where, what can I pull out a little nugget about, uh, our special edition of Critters 3 would include new footage of the Critters feasting on the preteen hero while Titanic plays on a nearby television. <laughs> Alas, our best ideas rarely make it to the screen. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun, okay. which also, I believe, we, yeah. Yeah, we covered included. That uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, there she is. Annis and Jennifer in Leprechaun. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's it. Maybe one more page. Oh, 
Paul Rudd in Gen Y Cops 2002. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, that Sandra Bullock in Fire on the Amazon. Yeah, that's a classic. Did you want to say something about Gen Y Cops? Oh, just that it was terrible. Um, you know, it's a, kind of a semi-sequel to Gen X Cops. It was produced by Jackie Chan. It is not very good. <laughs> Meg Ryan in My Mom's New Boyfriend. Wow, 2008. Uh, She's still acting? Yeah, who knew? Yep. Ryan Reynolds in Coming Soon, which, as uh, fate would have it, I actually have out from Netflix right now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, well, just because you stop writing reviews of these things doesn't mean you stop watching them entirely. Okay. Well, enjoy uh, it. Actually, it was recommended to me by someone as a, an actually good movie, so clearly this is uh, not someone whose advice I will take again. And I'll, I'll watch it and see, but I, I sort of doubt it. Gwyneth Paltrow in Hush, 1998. Same year as Shakespeare in Love. Which one was uh, Hush? She does. Hush was the one Paltrow in an absurd thriller about a newlyweds relationship with her possessive horse breeding mother-in-law. <laughs> okay. Played by Jessica Lang doing her best Norma Desmond drag queen impression. Oh, God. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon, Overnight Delivery. Okay, and again, with that... Also, also follow up. I've seen Overnight Delivery. It is not great, but it's not terrible either. Wasn't Reese Witherspoon the one in the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie with Matthew McConaughey? I don't know, Scott. You're going to have to... I, I kind of doubt it, but you're going to have to IMDb that one. Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, what was it? Isn't it in the book, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation? I think it was originally... It was released as... All right. Let's see what, we, let's see what, what pops up for Witherspoon. No, it was Renee Zellweger. Oh, Renee. Okay. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I only know because I flipped to the last page of the... Uh, by the index, and there she was, Stella okay. Renee in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. I honestly um, can't tell those two people apart. <laughs> well, one of them's still making movies, and the other one isn't. Okay, um, I, I don't know which one is which. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, Renee Zellweger uh, and Matthew McConaughey were both in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Yes. Sean is a friend of Barry's who hangs out with Jenny, to whom Barry constantly refers as a dog. At this point, we should mention that Jenny is played as, as by Renee Zellweger, who is about as far from being a dog as Pia Zadora is from winning an Oscar. I guess we had a thing for Renee Zellweger back then. I guess you had a thing uh, for Renee Zellweger. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, oh, go come on. on. Nobody can say she's not cute. Okay. I could say she, that. But I think I think we reached a saturation point of Renee Zellweger that she went from being cute to oh god Renee Zellweger, but no she's she's attractive. Anyway, I'm looking for McConaughey's name here. Oh, there we go. She does call her boyfriend Vilmer Matthew McConaughey to come help the kids out. Vilmer is the worst nightmare of every person who has ever called for roadside assistance. Okay. Okay. But yeah, overnight delivery. I mean, the worst crime that it has is that it's it's a little overwritten and underacted. Um, but you know, I, I don't think I'd call it Paul Rudd's or Reese Witherspoon's worst, worst movie. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, I See You, two thousand two. Oh yeah, okay. I haven't seen that. Been meaning to. Yeah. 
Sly plays an FBI agent haunted by the murder of his girlfriend with a power drill. <laughs> okay. They don't uh, have... Go ahead. Oh, they don't have a listing for uh, Val Kilmer? No, 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 no. That's, I mean, come on. Shooting number fish one, in a barrel? Number one, hardly a star anymore. And number two, you know, that's, that's shooting fish in a barrel there, sir. Yes. Gary Oldman in Tiptoes with Matthew McConaughey, Kate Beckinsale, and Peter Dinklage. Tagline, it's the little things in life that matter. Seriously. Magazines, digital magazines. Go. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, you know, the, they've been talking about that they're going to switch at least Entertainment Weekly over to, to being uh, an iPad magazine. Um, I get a couple of them that I really like. I mean, in particular, Wired, I think, works really well right. on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as far as I know, Entertainment Weekly still hasn't, hasn't done the, the, uh, the transfer yet. Yeah. Well, I think... I really think that uh, your opinions on digital magazines are entirely dependent on your access to devices that can run them. Yeah. And on the pricing. Um, You know, I was getting the New Yorker for, I want to say, $40 a year, probably. Yeah. In the print edition. And... Um, you know, they'd sit in the bathroom and I'd read, you know, some of them. But the the thing I really wanted was access to an article that someone would tell me about, right? And then I'd be like, oh, crap, you know, I have that article somewhere in the bathroom. <laughs> um, so I started getting the Kindle version, which, if anything, is cheaper. Um, the reason I didn't go to Kindle earlier is that, number one, I didn't have a Kindle, but I could have done it. I think I could have done it on the uh, the Kindle reader. Um, but also, you know, the Kindle is limited by its, you know, um, by its screen. Yeah. So it's, it does black and white. Um, the one thing you don't get with a New Yorker subscription is photographs. You get all the cartoons, so the comics or whatever you want to call them. Um, you get pretty much everything except for advertising and um, photographs. So, you know, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, and it sure beats the heck out of, you know, having stacks and stacks of magazines sitting in different places. Sure. I mean, do you, do you have an iPad? Uh, Christina has one. Um, so I don't think I would be in a hurry to subscribe to any magazines on the iPad because it's not something... I mean, the iPad is clearly a one-user device, right? I mean, yeah. it only there's no such thing as a user account. No. It, the the settings are set up for whoever that primary user is, and that's the person who uses it. Yes. Um, so, um, in those situations in which I would want to have a magazine, uh, generally either uh, just before bed reading or when I'm somewhere waiting for something, I don't have the iPad with me. Either Christina's reading before she goes to bed, because it's her iPad, or, you know, I'm out and about somewhere and the iPad is with her. So, you know. Um, also, I, I don't know. I like, I, I like still having something in the bathroom to read when I need it, you know. And I, there's no way I'm taking, like, phones and iPads are not 
welcome in a bathroom as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. There was like a really weird statistic that something like 70% of phones have been dropped in the toilet. I don't know if that's true. What? 70% of phones? No, that can't be true. I don't know. It was a scary number in any case. Um, I'm I'm Googling that one. Keep talking. (laughs) So I I thought maybe we could talk for a second about uh, back when we were both living in St. Pete. uh, You started a a movie theme thing that we've been we've kept doing, where you know we have essentially a rotating movie theme, and everybody shows one movie in the theme. Right. Um, and so right now the movie the theme is people's last movies. Interesting. Um, which has you know been uh, it's been a, it's been slightly punishing. I won't lie to you. Um, <laughs> Whose theme was it? Uh, it was Brian's, I think. Okay. Um, Tip of the hat, Brian. That was very imaginative. <laughs> I like that one. Um, so you know it, the so the the entire theme has basically been tinged by you know tinged with tragedy as you know we've watched James Dean's last movie and Marilyn Monroe's last movie. Oh God! Which is also Clark Gable's last movie. <laughs> uh, Just a twofer. It's a twofer. Um, you know the the people are obviously having having a little trouble coming up with last movies that you know where they aren't last movies because the person died. Uh, so we watched On Golden Pond, which is Henry Fonda's last movie. Um, and uh, God, we also watched The Informers. Did you see that movie? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's from it's from a few years back. Um, it was Brad Renfro's last movie. If you remember him. I remember the name. Yeah, he was kind of he was kind of like an up and coming, you know, very young it it actor, but he had serious drug problems, and I mean, serious drug problems by Hollywood standards. Mm-hmm. So he he basically spent like half his life in uh, in rehab, and he died at age twenty five. And The Informers was his last movie, and I would have sworn if you had not told me that that was, you know, that was Brad Renfro and how old he was, that he was 35. Yeah. Um, You know, he looked, I mean, he didn't look necessarily unhealthy, but he looked 10 years older than he really was. (laughs) He looked pretty rough. Yeah. Um, And that was just a terrible, terrible movie. Oh, Jesus. Um, It was just like, it was a collection of stories. I mean, it was based on a Brett Easton Ellis book, which was a Mm -hmm. collection of short stories that weren't kind of connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not make a movie to just have these kind of random storylines, only one of which had any resolution, and just throw them into a movie. And it turned out that the one that had resolution in the movie only had resolution because they took two separate stories from, from Ellis's novel and basically put them together. And pretended that what happened, you know, the the climactic scene, which was a standalone in the book, was the end of the other storyline. Got it. It was it was pretty terrible. Plus, here was the interesting thing about that, about the movie. And well, the book is that the book had vampires in it. Okay. <laughs> which, and so they actually cut the vampires out of the movie. Um, there's like one scene where somebody shows up 
And if you know that he was supposed to be a vampire, you're like, oh, that's a vampire. If you don't know that he's supposed to be a vampire, what he does and what he says is completely inexplicable. You're like, why is that guy, why, what is with this guy's performance? What does he think he's doing? Um, and the answer is, he's supposed to be a vampire, only all the vampires were cut out of the movie. Got it. <laughs> it was so, it was so weird. It was, it was very strange. Um, so I've been looking for, I've been looking for a movie to show. Okay. And, and hopefully, hopefully I can find a movie where it's not tragic. Oh, I have, I have a tragic one for you. What's a tragic one? Brainstorm. Oh, we actually already watched Brainstorm. You watched Brainstorm? Okay, good. I'm glad somebody picked. Who picked Brainstorm? Uh, Joel did. Okay. Tip of the hat, Joel. <laughs> um, uh, Brainstorm is actually my favorite of the This Was This Last Person's Last Movie movies. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's such a disaster. Because, you know, they, they, they didn't finish the movie. She exactly. died, you know, so they ended up having to cobble together an ending, and it really doesn't work. Among other things, the, their son, who apparently has a psychotic break, disappears. Yeah. Yeah, they just leave him at the hospital, and you're like, shouldn't you be worried about your, <laughs> about your young son? But they're like, nope, forget him. Well, you know, <laughs> he's lost. Let's move on. Um, so yep. I'm sure there was supposed to be more with, with the son and, and what was going on with him. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm looking for something which is less tragic. Um, mm. You know, there are people who have, in fact, left movies and then, you know, just flat out retire. Cary Grant, you know, right. made, you know, his last movie in 1968, I think. And then, you know, it, he just retired out of choice. Uh, you know, obviously not because he couldn't get work if he had wanted it. Um, but, you know, also the question is, was well, his last movie really worth watching? Not not really. Yeah. Um, but I, I am looking at some of the Hong Kong movies because... Now, does it, does it really... I mean, I understand it fits the... Uh the spirit or no, the, or the, the letter of the theme, if you go with a Hong Kong movie, but are, are enough people in that crowd, Hong Kong movie literate that it would make the spirit. I mean, part of the fun of watching somebody's last movie is, is knowing who they are. Um, yeah, I'm not going to worry about that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I You're frick- some bastard Clark Kent. <laughs> I just watched the informers. So I'm going to show what I damn well want. Yeah, I suppose there's not a lot of people who knew who Brad Renfro was either. So. No, no. I mean, I vaguely knew who he was, but uh, um, you know, but but in Hong Kong movies, actresses tend to retire when they get married. Yeah. So there are a couple of really big stars who just stopped making movies. Yeah. Um, and are you know luckily still alive and 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 happy. Um, I'm all. I was also. I also decided for the hell of it to look at Transformers the movie. Mm-hmm. Which is the last movie of uh, both Orson Welles and Scatman Crothers. Nice. But, um, uh, have you considered Walt Disney? Ooh, what was Walt Disney's last movie? It was, uh, well, the last one that came out while he was alive was The Jungle Book, right? Yes. Um, that would probably be his last real film. There's yeah. uh, The Happiest Millionaire, on which he was an uncredited producer. 
Um, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, which is a short, and It's Tough to Be a Bird, which is a doc short. Mm. Yeah, I, I seem to remember that it was The Jungle Book was, was the last yeah. major one. And maybe. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, you know, he was um, also <laughs> an actor in 124 titles. I assume mostly documentaries. Uh, no, mostly the voice of Mickey Mouse. Oh, so, yeah, shorts. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, somebody like that where, you know, their work was just so incredibly, you know, iconic. And to look at, like, what their last something was would be really interesting. Yeah, we'll see. I've, I've still got some time to, to choose something. So, dropping your phone down a toilet. Yes. According to Microsoft and a recent Harris Interactive study, 19% of young adult U.S. phone owners have dropped their phone in a toilet. God. That's one in five. <laughs> I, I think that's, you know, I mean, especially among young people where they really don't, and here I, <laughs> get off my lawn. This is the get off my lawn segment. <laughs> You know, they don't really think a whole lot of actually, like, taking their phone into the bathroom with them, especially if they've got, like, a Bluetooth or whatever. Um, or they're, they're texting while they pee, which I really don't understand. Um, I think everyone has sat on the toilet and looked at their iPhone or whatever. But, oh, man, it just that, it's just heartbreak waiting to happen. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Yeah, especially, like, if you, uh, if you keep your phone in your breast pocket, like I do sometimes. Yes, and that looking over to flush <laughs> that's just bad news, man. Uh, yeah. Um, and according to, let's see, who is this according to? Roughly 855,000 handsets are flushed away every year in the UK. <laughs> see, I told you these numbers were terrifying. Research by Simply Switch, the price comparison and switching service, found 4.5 million handsets are lost or damaged every year. And nearly a million of them are by toilet-related accidents. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. That's a, great, that, that, that's a great euphemism, toilet-related accidents. Yeah, that, but that backs up the, the, the 20% thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, f- almost 5 million totally lost or damaged. And roughly a million down the toilet, so. Great. All right, so back to Transformers the movie. Oh, do we we have to? Yes, we do. (laughs) Well, okay, so there was one thing I was noticing while I was watching that last night. Okay. Or yesterday. Okay. Um, There's only one female Transformer in the entire movie. It's like she's the Smurfette of the Transformers. And which one is this? Uh, her name is uh, RC, I think it is. Um, A-R-C-E-E. And this is in the cartoon, right? This was in the movie. I don't even remember that she was in the cartoon. The, the animated, animated movie. Animated movie. I think the character was also in the, the live action movie. Um, I think she was supposed to be like the motorcycle. She was like a motorcycle in the third movie or possibly the second. I can't keep mm-hmm. those straight. Um, and I was thinking, like, why do these kind of boys genre things like the Smurfs and Transformers and kind of all of those those shows that we watched when we were growing up, they all only had one woman. You know, Thundercats, 
Silverhawks. You know, and, and it, was, it was usually like there was only one woman on the entire planet. You know, I don't think there were very many female characters at all. Yeah. Well, according to um, Wikipedia, um, there were at least 20 female characters in Transformers Generation 1. Is, is that the first? Is this in chronological order? I think so. Transformers Generation 1? Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, there have been at least twenty named Transformer characters who are who are women. Really? In, yes. I Go didn't. figure. Wonder, I did not know that. Yeah. How many of them were? How many of them were toys? I don't know. Um, it. I think. I don't know if it's. I'm trying not to read and, and talk too much here, but. RC is, is listed as the best of all female Autobots, best known of all female Autobots, introduced in Transformers the movie and remained a main character in the subsequent television series. Um, yeah. So, go figure. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, the for whatever reason, you know, I think the Smurfs is, is sort of the, the best... Um, typical example you can can think of right because every every smurf is sort of uh defined by their their trait right yeah you know, they're, they're one attribute smurf. they're one attribute and hers is that she's female <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't know i don't know man yeah that's really weird i don't know where that comes from it certainly doesn't come from the the guy who in who created the Smurfs? Because if you look at the Smurf, uh, you know, characters, the the toys and whatnot, there are plenty of female Smurfs mixed in there. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I really haven't looked at the toys, but yeah. uh, Peo, I believe his name was, uh, or his, you know, his screen name. Yeah. Um, no, it's just weird. I think you know. I think we all kind of grew up kind of twisted because. None of our cartoons had that many had that many women. Just weird. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess you know, if we're going back to seventies and eighties cartoons, which are the ones we grew up with, yeah. Um, there tended to be women either in a mom role, or if it was an adventure series starring kids, you could usually count on like a one to one ratio. I don't know that I would say one-to-one ratio. I'd say usually there was one token. I mean, I'm thinking like Encyclopedia Brown. Um, I'm thinking of Scooby-Doo. And, I mean, you know, Hanna-Barbera certainly had no shortage of female characters. I and mean, Hell, Josie and the Pussycats had nothing but. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, that's actually kind of in the 70s. I'm, right. When you get out of the 70s, you get into the 80s, they kind of disappear. Um, I'm trying to think of some more examples. Shoot, I just had one. Um, okay, so top top ten cartoons from the '80s, according to some random person on Hub Pages, but we'll we'll take her word for it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, you're right. No women. I, I think they they didn't they eventually add the uh, Mona Lisa or whatever, like the one female turtle. I don't know, but the the basic cartoon was yeah uh, was, was had the reporter April April was, was the, the token, yep, 
Uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, they had to invent girl chipmunks for them, the Chipettes. The Snorks, I don't remember enough about the Snorks. I think the Snorks may be the exception. I think the Snorks had two main male characters and two main female characters. Mm. I could be wrong, but... Transformers, we've talked about. The Jetsons, plenty of women there, including the robot maid. Well, the Jetsons was actually from the 60s, though, so... Right, okay, good yeah. point. But uh, Resurgence, new episodes, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, they, they did new episodes. But. Gummy Bears. I do not remember the Gummy Bears. <laughs> do we have to figure out the gender of Gummy Bears, really? <laughs> the Care Bears. The Care Bears had lots of different genders. <laughs> yeah, I think. If, if they had genders I, at all. I think they had like eight different genders. <laughs> the Smurfs we've talked about. Inspector Gadget, like the, the hero of that series. The Penny. Penny. Right, there's a girl right there. DuckTales, okay, you got me on DuckTales. Uh, Thundercats. Thundercats. There, there was more than one woman in Thundercats, although only one woman who was at all effective at anything. Well, and I, I think this is a bad list because it doesn't mention He-Man. <laughs> well, again. It doesn't. He-Man, you'd only have uh, Enchantress and... The Sorceress. And Sorceress. Which... No, no, the sorceress was the enchantress. There was no enchantress character. Oh, okay. There was a sorceress and there was She-Ra. Well, She-Ra was a different series, though. Well, no, she was in He-Man before she had her own series. Well, perhaps. Yes. What? What do you want? <laughs> uh, oh, Tila. Tila was the one I was thinking of. Yes, Tila. 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 I mean, Tila was the the token female, and and sorceress was essentially the the woman, the yeah, mother character. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Tila. You know, kidnappers do horrible things to kids. He's coming! Run! Stay quiet. You hear? Or I will shoot you. Hey, sure. Get in. Waterboarding is torture. It is illegal. No! Eat this dog soup. God, please don't let it hurt bad. I've done hundreds of cool hanger washings. Awesome, right? Yeah. So what was that? <laughs> it was just a a piece of uh, flotsam or jetsam or whatever drifts up onto shore that, that drifted up on the shore via Twitter. Okay. It's a trailer called Song of the Blind Girl. We will put it in the show notes. Stomptokyo.tumblr.com. 
And, uh, yeah. What was your favorite part? <laughs> wow. So, apparently, whoever made it, their their vision was mostly uh, children being murdered with shotguns. I, I think that was their vision, and they uh, achieved that vision. I do not I do not know what the deal with that was. Is that a real movie? Is that actually going to... Did they ever actually release that? I don't know. I don't I mean, know. Okay, you know, it's called Song of the Blind Girl. Um, if you want to just go search for it on YouTube. Um, I'm trying to look at... Like, God, what have they done to YouTube? It's terrible. But why does... This is Google, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I hate this. Iraq war veteran suffering from PTSD, PTSD returns home. Ooh, and there's another one. Uh, what do you mean another one? Another trailer. Oh, uh, that's okay. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, what to say about this trailer? Yeah, it's basically a really, I mean, if it actually got made, and I don't see anything here that screams fake, yeah, it, I mean, it'll, it'll, they'll try to play it at festivals, I'm sure. No one will play it, and it'll become one of those things that people talk about, you know. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think it's, I, I don't think it's one of those movies, I like The Room, or what was the one with the birds recently? Uh, Birdemic. Yeah, which I, I never saw. Um, where people go to see it because it is so bad and because it's fun to watch. This just looks unpleasant. Yeah, you know? I don't know with the uh, with the vomiting and you know shotgun killing children. I don't think that's gonna that's gonna you know. Yeah, well, and from a parent's point of view, I mean, it's kind of abusive to even put your kids through the process of of being in the movie. Yeah, um, you know, and and just if just so people who haven't seen it, I mean, it's obviously micro budget. You know, it looks like it was done with home cameras and just shot in somebody's house um, with no special effects. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of doubt anybody would even bother to, to go see it. Okay. Well, it's kind of hard to talk about intelligently without having seen it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure we're boring people to death. Go watch it. I mean, as two and a half minutes of random internet entertainment, it's, you know, fine. But um, that's about where I think anyone's interest would stop. Yeah, what was that horror? Uh, there was a, a horror movie uh, where the oh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but the the uh, children are being are uh, being taken by a cult and living in the woods. Oh, what was what was that that movie? I don't know. Um, and so at the at the oh, it's gonna it's gonna drive me crazy what the name of that movie was, but uh, at the end of the movie, basically. Um, the parents from town f- find the, uh, uh, was it Beware Children at Play? I think maybe it was. Yes, it was Beware Children at Play. Um, at the end of the movie, the parents all find the, the, the children's camp, you know, where the, the cult is, and basically murder all the children. Um, it is, it is, uh, absolutely jaw-dropping that you're like wow somebody really recorded this and thought this would be a good idea that this was how to end your movie is to just show all these kids being killed by their parents 
for like five minutes of just nothing but kids getting stabbed with pitchforks and shot with shotguns. Awesome. It's great. Yeah. Probably made by someone who doesn't have kids. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I mean, I think that's sort of a famous thing. Like when young directors involve children in their movies and then see them years later, they're like, what the hell was I thinking? You know, <laughs> you know, after they've had children. Uh, Spielberg, very famously, um, said that he, you know, if he had made um, Close Encounters, um, you know, today it would be a very different movie because he wouldn't have had Gene Hackman, not Hackman. Who was it? Who was the main character? Come on. Help me out. Um, what's his face? Uh, yeah. What's we're like, <laughs> we're the worst movie nerds ever. Uh, Scheider. No, not Scheider. Uh, the other guy, the guy was in Mr. Holland's opus. Yes. Um, yes. God, why are we blank? Hold on. Hold on. Close. And count. <laughs> we suck. Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. That's the guy. <laughs> Uh, it's the second thing to go is your memory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so yes, he would not. Richard Dreyfus basically abandons his family to go, you know, um, hang out with aliens. Yeah. Um, and E.T., right? I mean, he changed, for one version of the movie, he changed the shotguns that the special agents were wielding for walkie talkies. Yes. Um, which he then changed back. Yeah, but fortunately, I, I under. I mean, even when I was a kid, I thought it was a little extreme that the government agents were going to shoot the kids on bicycles. It just seemed a little, a little extreme. It's like you can't just grab them. I mean, they are on bicycles, <laughs> but you know, I, I I can understand where he's going. Anyway, so but there there definitely is a line. Yeah. All right, so what's going on with you this next week? Anything anything coming up that you're looking forward to seeing? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, right now I've just got to choose a movie for movie night, so I'm I'm down to the, you know, I'll need to decide that. And, yeah. And uh, that's about it. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's very many interesting movies coming out between now and Christmas, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, there was something coming out, like, on Christmas. That, there's a lot of stuff that comes out Christmas Day. Yeah. Some, well, uh, and all the award bait movies come out. Yeah, yeah. God, that process just takes so long, you know, between the time something, you know, if it's an independent film, when it plays at festivals, and then there's, just like, this whole year-long thing where it rolls out. And then, you know, they have to have their New York and their L.A. runs to qualify for the Oscars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and then they don't... Crazy. Yeah, and then they don't play, you know, everywhere else until two months after that. Right, right. Yeah, I Melt With You played Sundance this year, and it's doing its limited run starting December 9th. Oh, okay. Um, Sundance. Sleep. When was Sundance? That was months Sundance ago. is end of January. Okay. So, at the beginning of the year... Wow, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, this week's pretty dead. Um, yeah, wow. New Year's Eve, woohoo. Uh, yeah, whatever. Alvin and the Chipmunks chipwrecked on the 16th. <laughs> there's, there's a moment in the trailer 
where um, uh, Jason Lee is talking to uh, one of his co-stars, and hold on, let me, let me look who, who that would have been. Um, not just, it was David Cross. Justin, Jason Lee and David Cross sort of share a moment in this trailer where they look at her, look at each other, and they're like, uh, "It's happening again, isn't it?" Or something. It's like it's like a meta comment on, "Can you believe you're starring in the third installment of a fucking Chipmunks movie?" We're gonna have to mark this episode as explicit. Damn it. Um, yeah, but it's it's a really nice little moment if you're looking for it. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, they, they kind of know what's going on, but the money's too good to turn down. Hey, you know, Jason Lee has to make money somehow, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Now those, now those fat My Name is Earl checks have stopped, so. Yeah, um, he's uh, guest starring in Up All Night, which I don't know if you're watching that or not. No. It's uh, funny. What, what? What network is that on? I, why would I know that? Okay. I, I mean, is it a, one of the main networks? or? Yeah, it's a network show. Oh, okay. uh, it's Christina Applegate and um, uh, Amy Poehler's husband, Will Arnett. Okay. Um, and Maya Rudolph. And, you know, it's funny. Nope. Um, but, yeah, Jason have... Lee is playing somebody's love interest. I don't, I don't know. Gotcha. Okay, so he's he's keeping out of trouble. That's good. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's got like a bunch of stuff in production. So, um, then Tintin comes out on the twenty first, mm. along with uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yes. Oh, back on the sixteenth. I, I don't know if this is smart. Opening against Alvin and the Chipmunks, and uh, sorry, opening against Alvin and the Chipmunks, but Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol and Sherlock Holmes both open that weekend. Yeah, uh, I don't think, I don't think, uh, well, that's true. I mean, I don't think Mission Impossible actually opens. I think that it, it's just doing, it's going to start doing IMAX on the 16th. Oh, right. IMAX, IMAX and then wide on December 21st. Got yeah. It. Um, which is an interesting strategy. I guess we'll see how, how that goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, that, that I do want to see. It'll be interesting to see what Brad Bird's first live action movie looks like. Yeah. And then we bought a zoo, which looks terrible, and Warhorse, which I don't know anything about, but apparently Spielberg's involved with that somehow. Uh, I think he directed it. Cool. Um, it's about a horse that goes to war. Um, Got it. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know if that is that the same thing as the Broadway play. I'm not sure, to be honest. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Okay. Um, it's been fun. Um, Show notes are at stomptokyo.tumblr.com. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but I'm working on getting cultmoviespodcast.com to redirect there. And uh, if you want to email us, theguys at stomptokyo.com is a good place to find us. All right. Until next time, Scott. All right. I'll see you later. Catch you later. Bye.